This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050. Welcome to Toronto Today. I'm Mike DiStefano. And uh, so due to World Cup coverage, it's a one-hour show here. Leafs Lunch will return next Tuesday. Uh, we'll have Craig Button join the show in, in just a couple of minutes here. But we got some really um, sad news just before we went on air. Sounds like Boreas Salming, Maple Leafs legend, has uh, has passed. And I'll read this statement here from uh, from Leafs management. The, the Toronto Maple Leafs mourn the loss of Boreas Salming. Boreas was a pioneer of the game and an icon with an unbreakable spirit and unquestioned toughness. He helped open the door for Europeans in the NHL and defined himself through his play on the ice and through his contributions to the community, Boria joined the Maple Leafs 50 years ago and will forever be a part of the hockey family. We extend our deepest condolences to his wife, Pia, his children, Teresa, Anders, Rasmus, Bianca, Lisa, and Sarah, and his brother, uh, Steve. That coming from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, this is really gutting, gutting news that we got this morning um, on the heels of a, a victory last night over the, the New Jersey Devils. But... We we saw him just a, a week ago, a couple of weeks ago, last weekend. He was here for the Hall of Fame game, and then they had that great ceremony that Toronto put on to honor Borea Salming, who we know has been dealing with uh, with ALS and this illness for for you know about a year now, and, and really was struggling. But it was great to to have that moment, I suppose. Now that he's 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 gone, it was the last time that we got to see him here in Toronto. We had Daryl Sittler, I remember, on Leafs Lunch talking about how great of a person he was and um, how how brave he was to to come out. And uh, it's it's just really sudden, really sad. He was here a week and a half ago in the city of Toronto. Um, being celebrated by the fans, and and, and now uh, unfortunately uh, he has passed. And you know, I, I you know, I didn't know Boris Salming. You know, based on my age, I didn't know exactly how monumental he was to the game until last weekend and last week. Just everybody talking about what he meant to the game, what he meant for growing the game European, um, how much of a warrior he really was, and uh, it's 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 really sad to see him see him be passed here at age of uh, of, of seventy one. And we're gonna have Craig Button on in just a moment here. And and you know, Craig is a guy who I'm sure has uh, you know, some sort of relationship with Boreas Salming, whether it's through the hockey world or watching him uh growing up and, and I'm sure he has you know, some fond memories of Boria, but some really tough, tough news for the Maple Leafs and the Maple Leafs family. Um, let's bring him in, Craig Butner, TSN hockey analyst. Craig, uh, some tough news hearing of Boria Salming's passing just a couple of moments ago. Um, you know, what are your first thoughts here? And, and you know, what, what, what do you think Boria will be remembered by, by the hockey community? Well, I think we just saw, you know, what Boria meant to the hockey community and Leafs Nation, uh, you know, during the Hall of Fame weekend. And, you know, the fact that Boria was able to come over and, uh, you know, take it all in and, you know, be celebrated by the fans and be celebrated by his, his, his closest friends and teammates. I mean, we all saw the emotion that was attached uh, uh, to his, uh, uh, you know, attendance there. And, you know, at the same time that we uh, we, we celebrate the greatness of Boris Salming, it, it, it was sad when we heard about the diagnosis, and and, and it's really sad day today uh, to think about his passing today. You know, because you know I, I heard the word many times when it was uh, used uh, when talking about Boris Salming that was indestructible, 
And, you know, we do see that ALS is a, is a horrific uh, disease. And uh, despite the fact that you may be indestructible, it can take a hold of you. And it certainly took a hold of uh, Boreas Salming. But what we know clearly, A.B., is that Boreas Salming, through his play, through his greatness, he took a hold of us. Yeah. And he'll be forever in our memories. And, and, you know, we can never forget that. I've said this a few times over the course of time and certainly in the last few weeks. Bob Clark... The great Bob Clark said that there was no tougher competitor he ever played against than Boris Salmi from, res- from the respect of him as a great player and-, and the respect for him as somebody that meant every single challenge. And we can go back to the 70s and we can think about, you know, the, ch- uh, the, you- you know, the greatness of some of those Leafs teams and Boris Salmi and how-, how challenging the Philadelphia Flyers were. For Bob Clark to say that about Boris Salmi, you know, that I-, I think it speaks volumes. But, you know... We'll remember the greatness. I mean, I'll tell you what. Like, I mean, you know, we, you know, the greatest leaf ever. I mean, Boris Almey's in the conversation. There's no question about it. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, as somebody who didn't grow up in the generation of Boris Almey, I, I didn't quite understand you know, the gravitas to what he meant to hockey up until last weekend. And, you know, I, I'm not to put you to age you here, Craig, but, you know, you're a little bit more of the vintage variety. I mean, I, even even somebody like yourself, like what was it like just knowing that he was able to come down to Toronto last weekend and really get that appreciation, knowing that you know a couple weeks later he was gone? Well, I mean, what I would say, AB, and as long as you, you can call me vintage, I have no problem <laughs> with you calling me vintage. Just as long as you realize, like fine wine, I'm, like I'm approaching a hundred point status. So just Absolutely. so you know that, like I, better with age, or, or so I like to tell myself. Anyway, uh, you know, you know, playing in Toronto, which is a which is a central hockey market in the world, you know, there certainly is uh, an understanding of, of what Boris Salming was to, to to hockey. You know, when he came over along with Inga Hammerstrom, his great friend Inga Hammerstrom, it was a very different league. It was a very different time. I mean, they were they were looked at as as players that were threatening the jobs uh, of Canadians, and and you know they they weren't well received. And so when Bob Clark talks about a tough competitor, that that, that speaks to Boris Salming, you know, uh, on the ice as well, off the ice as well, knowing that. You know, he, he, he was a trailblazer. He, he was a yeah. pioneer coming over and, you know, all, all the, the, the vitriol that he had to deal with, you know, both from outside the game and inside the game, I mean, was pretty significant. And, and, and Boria never wavered. We, you know, we have video. It's not like it was. Uh, it's not like it is today. But, you know, it's, it, we're so lucky to have technology to be able to go back and, and, and recapture some of the brilliance of Boris Salmin. And he, he was, he, he, he was a great skater. He, he was a, he was a great passer. Just look at his numbers as a defenseman. And, you know, this was at a time when, you know, like, you, you know, defensemen weren't really seen as that type of player. You know, Bobby Orr, you know, was, was in his heyday, but Boria coming over. But now you think about him, you know, just in the last weeks, it, it, it gives a chance uh, to to really look at him in the proper light. Like, you know, it's great to say, oh, Hall of Famer, but he was a great Hall of Famer and a great player on the ice and a great representative of, of Sweden on the international stage and as a trailblazer and pioneer. And I think that... Uh, you know that's that's what really came to light and and, and with, with his attendance at the, during Hall of Fame weekend. 
Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a a, a great celebration, and uh, it's unfortunate the, the the news we heard today. You know, he'll, he's gone, but he'll be missed forever with uh, with all of Leafs Nation. I mean, there's no easy way to to transition into into last night, Craig. So we'll just kind of get into it. But the Maple Leafs did come away with a pretty you know character win, as Sheldon Keith called it. Um, but it was a really bizarre one. You know, three goals and end up getting called back. Have you ever? You know, seeing a game like that, especially with the magnitude of what that meant for New Jersey and those fans and the streak and, and you know, a franchise record on the line. Well, here's what I would say. Let me, you know, we talk about coming off of the, uh, the sad news about Boris Salming's passing. I would say that Boris Salming was in that game last night, given the depletion of the Blue Line Corps of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Boria might have played 60 minutes. <laughs> that's how good he was. <laughs> and that's how effortless he was, not just with his skating, but with his brain. I mean, he, he was unbelievable in that regard. So, you know, that's what I would say about Boria, you know, to jump back into last night's game. But here, here's what I'll say, A.B. I, it was the exact right call on all three uh, the situations. It was the exact right call. And, you know, people said, like, okay, so the New Jersey fans after the third one, you know, they get all riled what they did. You know, that's just no, there's no place for that. But, you know, we, we look at those the, those scenarios. It, you look at the rule book called exactly how the rule book wants you to call it. So, you know what I mean? Uh, get disappointed. There are no goals. They don't, they, they shouldn't count. They didn't count. And to me, the, 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 the officials, as they do 99% or more of the time, got it exactly right. So, you know, and uh, I, I think Leafs Nation was happy about the calls. I think that if one of those goals would have gone in there, it would have been allowed. They might have said, hey, wait a second here. A goaltender gets interfered with on the first goal. He gets bumped on the second goal. And then, and then the third one was a, was cleared, this, this stink kicking motion. And he yeah. can't go in, on, on, in the net. So bottom line is, uh, you, you know, the, they can be d- distressed in the stands. Bottom line, the right call was made. They, th- those aren't goals. But I agree with you, and and you know a lot of the discourse I saw online was oh, but those were soft calls, especially the first one got a lot of you know fanfare out there saying oh, you know soft calls. Of course, the Leafs, the league going their way, reversing those goals. But whether it's soft or not, I mean, there's no gray area. I suppose if it's goal interference in the paint, that's a no goal. Like whether or not it was soft or if it was deliberate, or it's just it's a no goal. And I don't know why. You know the the term controversial was being used about last night's game. I didn't think it was controversial at all. I thought that you know the the all three goals were not supposed to be goals because of the, the they were all interference and kicking motions. So I'm with you. I think that the they, they got the game right. Um, but but when you look at the game as a whole, like I thought Toronto played pretty well. Like that's a tough team out there. That's one of the best teams in hockey right now in the New Jersey Devils, and they stopped them from getting that. 14th win and you know we're a quarter way through the season Craig and and Sheldon Keefe called it a character win last night we've seen some highs and some lows from this team I think last night maybe you know you could consider a a high but when you watch this squad like what differences do you notice in their game when the Leafs are on compared to like when they're off you you can think back to the California skid the game against Arizona like last night was completely different team than we saw back then and, and there's no question about it. So, you, you know, let me uh, let me jump off your, your use of the phrase, you know, character win. You know, you're, you're shorthanded, you're depleted, right? So what, what you need from your players is, and, and I'm a big believer in this, you don't need anybody to do more than they're capable of, but you need every single player to absolutely play to their potential and their capabilities. 
I thought the Leafs got that in, in, in the game uh, against Jersey on Wednesday. I thought, the, you, you know, every player could look at the end of the game and say, I contributed to that win. And, and that's important when you're shorthanded. You, you just cannot afford to have players playing below their, their, their level of capability. So, you know, and, and I think that that's, the, that's what we see when the Leafs are at their best is that we see everybody playing with the capability. Are they going to be a better team with Morgan Riley and TJ Brody and, and Jake Muzzin? Yeah, there's no question. Sheldon Keith has said that. But, you know, when you don't have those guys, you, 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 just don't have any, you, you just don't have any margin for error. And I thought that that's when they play at their best. Everybody doing what, they, what they're capable of doing. And, and, and details in their game. You know, stopping on pucks, not swinging. You know, that's, that's playoff hockey. And, and you heard me say this earlier, A.B., I'm evaluating this team on their own stated goal of competing for the Stanley Cup and right. what I believe they have to show. And, and that's details. That's, that, that's being in, in the space before your opponent gets to the space. That's being, that's stopping on a puck and not swinging by an opponent. And they were doing a lot of that, you know, prior to this swing here uh, coming back from the West Coast. And, and that's why their record was, was what it was. But since that point in time, I think that they really dialed into the details. You know, you think about a playoff win and you think about having to grind it out and trying to find a way, you, you know, when, when, when the opponent is really trying to stifle you and really trying to put up fierce resistance. You know, you've got to put up just as much fierce resistance. and You've got to just say, we're comfortable playing in this way, and ultimately we're going to find a way to win. Giordano blocking that shot late in the game. Matt Dang. Murray, who I thought was really terrific, right? I mean, that's, that, that to me is showing a willingness to dial into the details. You know, we know they have skill. We know that they have the ability uh, to dazzle. But playoff hockey isn't about dazzle. Playoff hockey is game seven last year versus the Tampa Bay Lightning Tampa Bay showed that they could find a way to get on the right side of that game. That's what Toronto has to do over the course of this year. Last night was a great example of that in my view. Uh, we're chatting with Craig Butner, TSN hockey analyst. And, yeah, I thought Toronto, they'd really buckled down, and it was they, they all bought in, and they played that way. And I think that's what's maybe annoying. I, I think I'm going to use the term annoying about this team is you watch them last night, and you're like, if this is what they're capable of, why don't they do this on a more consistent basis? Yeah, and, and, and that's a great question, right? And you, you, you know, and but but I think that par, par, part of growing and, and, and growing individually and growing as a team, sometimes you, you don't know what you're capable of until you're put right into that situation, and 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 then you add on to that. Sometimes, despite the fact that everybody says you know we want to win and we're ready to do it, sometimes you got to see it uh, on, from the other side. I go back to Game Seven. I use this term all the time, and I don't think there's any question you could go into the Toronto Maple Leafs dressing room and you could ask these three questions in this order. Who wants to win? Well, there's no question that everybody wants to win. So all the hands go up. The second question is, who's prepared to pay the price to win? There's no question that every hand is going up and saying we're prepared to pay. But the third question is the key one here. What is the price? And not everybody knows the price, and not everybody understands the price. We, we talk about experience, and we talk about going through the process, and, 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 and again, talking about what you've learned. Well, if you've learned anything from last year's seven-game series, and I'll just go back at that far, and you've learned anything watching a, a two-time Stanley Cup champion buckle down, buckle down, remember they lost Braden Point, buckle down, you know, that's a learning experience. And that's what the Leafs have to show me for me to take them seriously as a Stanley Cup contender. They've done that 
in a significant manner since the West Coast trip. And if you recall, A.B., I was on on Thursday just coming out of that, and they played a really good game, and I said it's one game. They have to show me more. Well, they've showed me more, and that's a good positive thing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, and, and, and a really other positive thing has been the goaltending, and, and in particular, Matt Murray, since coming off of, of, from his injury, a 942 save percentage last few games. He had a 249 goal saved above expected last night. You could argue that he stole them that game in a way. But my question to you is, and, and health will always be a question mark with Matt Murray, I understand that, but as long as he can stay healthy, based on his play to this point this year, along with what you've seen from Sam Tanav, I suppose, like, do you have confidence that the Leafs do have something here in net with these two? Enough. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. I do, A.B., you know. Uh, you, you, I mean, you, you look at the situation that those two goaltenders found themselves in, and I think we have to throw Eric Schalgren in, in the mix, too, when we talk about the Maple Leafs goaltending. Their goaltending is, is, is right at the top of the league. It's, it's right there, in like in the, in, in the top five, six in the league. And that is something that's really, really positive. The, Eric Schalgren, the game that he had to go down and play in Carolina, that was another gritty win mm-hmm. for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs against a really good team. And Eric Schalgren was a big part of it. Samsonov coming in and doing what he did, and then certainly Matt Murray in the game last night. So, I, I, you know, we can, we can put the... The, the injury talk aside, hopefully, you know, you don't want to see players get injured, and hopefully Matt Murray can stay healthy along with Stansnoff. But their goaltending has, has been, in my view, has been an A. It's been an A, A-B. And, and that includes all three of those goaltenders. Um, speaking of a guy who's been an A, especially as of late, let's talk about Mitch Marner a little bit, because boy, oh boy, the, the play he made last night to set up John Tavares on that goal you know, really, it's it's something special. He's got 14 game point streak, which going back, I think it's been 20 was it 20 or 25 years? I think since the the, the Maple Leafs have had a player have a 14 game point streak, so it's pretty incredible what we're watching out of this guy right now. And it, it really made me think, though, did we credit Mitch Marner enough last year for helping Matthews take his game to new heights last season? Like. Just the play last night, it kind of reminded me, he's just so fantastic at, at really putting pucks in good spots for people to capitalize. Do you think when we look back on last year, he got enough credit for helping elevate his teammates enough? You know what? It's a, it's a great question, A.B. I mean, he, he was the first-team all-star right wing for the second consecutive season. So, I mean, he, he, he's getting recognized as the best right winger in the National Hockey League, so that's pretty significant. I, I can tell you this, and for full transparency, and full, you know, Austin Matthews won the Hart Trophy last year. I yep. thought, you know, there's no question he did. The argument could be made that Mitch Marner is just as valuable as, as Austin Matthews in my mind. I, 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 I can make that argument. Doesn't mean I'm right, but I can make the argument. And, you know, you, you go through that goal that he scored last night. And, and just think about the whole thing. I could break that goal down in so many different ways. The pressure he puts on the puck. Then he, then, then he creates the turnover. Then he uses his body to hold the guy off. And then he reaches for the puck, gets the puck, and then, you know, in a crouching on his knees motion, makes a great backhand pass to John Tavares. I mean, I mean like, you, you think about all the, the whole sequence of that play. It, it's beyond brilliant. And, you know, and it, it gives me an opportunity here to get on a little bit of my soapbox, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm on it. Get so up just there, let Craig. me stay on it for a second. Okay. <laughs> Mitch Marner was the fourth overall pick. Yep. And after Shane Wright was the fourth overall pick, Mitch Marner reached out to him and said, hey, I was the fourth overall pick that's turned out okay for me. 
And I hear this a lot, that it won't serve Shane Wright going back to junior for another year. That's BS. Mitch Marner went back to the London Knights, and he played every single important situation. He played for a top-notch coach in Dale Hunter. He played lots, and they won the Memorial Cup. And it helped Mitch Marner become a better player to what you see today. So anybody wants to tell me that Shane Wright going back to junior wouldn't help him, it's hogwash. It's garbage. He should be back in junior. And I just saw him play in the American Hockey League the other night. Seattle Kraken aren't doing him any favors. Yeah, I mean, he did score in, the, in that opening game. Yeah, but... he did score. And he didn't do Trust me, he was unimpressive. And I'm a Shane Wright fan. They're not doing <laughs> him any favors. Well, we'll see what they end up doing. I think he's on the conditioning stint now and then potentially could end up going at the World Juniors. Then they'll have another decision to make if that does happen and he returns. I, I'm with you, though. I, I do think that uh, Shane Wright probably will be best served playing the rest of the year down there if he's not going to be given the proper you know, development time in, in the National Hockey League. Uh, we're chatting with Craig Butner. Well, t- then it, hockey. Go ahead, like, Craig. I just got to add this, though. Like, it really hurt Mitch Marner, right? It really hurt Mitch Marner. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it, it, it really hurt him. Like, you know, two-time All-Star, first-team All-Star, right wing, dominant player in the National League. Oh, boy. Yeah, you don't you don't want a player to turn out like by Mitch Marner by sending him back to Junior. Oh, no. That would be terrible. <laughs> That'd be the worst. That would be the absolute worst, Craig. I got you. I got you. Uh, we're chatting with Craig Butner, TSN hockey analyst and uh, director of amateur scouting. And once upon a time, you had a scouting report on a young man named Connor Timmons, who the Maple Leafs uh, traded for yesterday from the Arizona Coyotes, giving up Curtis Douglas, an AHL depth forward. Um, what are your thoughts on the deal, and, and, and what can you tell us uh, what Timmons might be able to bring to the Leafs? Well, the, the first thing Connor Timmons has to do is to find his game. He, he, he's got to find a level uh, of play. He, he's played, he, he, you know, in the, in the four previous seasons and this year, he's played a total of 105 games. That, that, that's not very much. That's going to that's gonna hurt any player's development. So the first thing is that Connor's got to find, uh, you, you know, that consistency of just being able to play so that he can, he, he, he can show you what he has. There's two things. Connor's a really smart player. He's a heady player. He's not, a, he's not a player that's going to overwhelm you with end-to-end, flash-and-dash type skating, but passes the puck well, thinks the game really well, positions himself really well. He's not going to be a thundery body checker, but an effective positional player. And, you know, if there's anything that any young player, especially defensemen, have to learn is, is to just to do things quicker. The NHL requires you to play at a high pace and a high tempo and be able to process the play and then execute it quickly. But when you've only played 105 games in four plus seasons, you know it's hard to really get into that rhythm. So, I, and, and you know, it's you know people say that he, he wouldn't have cleared waivers, and I and, and I, I understand that, right? But for him to find his game, I don't know if that's possible at the NHL level. I don't know if it's possible. I mean, he might get thrown in there right now because of the injuries to the Toronto Maple Leafs. But to truly find his game, it's it, it, it's about just getting playing and getting playing a lot in a consistent manner. So I think that that is, you know, Kyle Dubas talked about it being a, a long-term play, and, you know, and, and, and that is worthy, but he's still got to play. And, you know, that's going to become significant for the development of Connor Timmons. Is there potential there? Absolutely there is. Yeah, and might see him as soon as tomorrow. He's joined the team in Minnesota, yeah, yeah. And, and with the injury to Jordy Ben, we don't know the extent of it, but it's possible that Carter Timmons could uh, hit the ground running right away here with this club. Uh, Craig, really appreciate it as always. You got any uh, American Thanksgiving plans tonight? Any special dinner? I'm watching, I'm watching the Patriots. I don't like turkey. 
There you go. There's my hot take of the day. <laughs> Actually, I remember you telling me that last year that you're not a big turkey guy. I do recall that one. Oh, the Patriots game should be all right, although I don't know how many points will be scored in that game altogether. But hopefully it's uh, it's a decent one for, for the Thursday nighter. Anyways, really appreciate uh, you taking the time, as always, Craig. We'll chat again next week. Thanks, A.D. Have a great day. You as well. There he goes. Craig Button, our TSN hockey analyst. And he had Connor Timmons as his 30th-ranked prospect in the 2017 NHL draft ended up going 32nd so pretty well exactly where uh where he had him ranked in that range and and you know I, I when I look at this deal I haven't had a chance to break it down yet so I suppose I'll do that really quickly but when I look at this trade it's a no risk trade for Kyle Dubas and the Toronto Maple Leafs they gave up Curtis Douglas who by all accounts had a pretty solid season last year they liked the development of him he's a really big strong forward pretty young still I believe he's 23 or 24 years old and you know, I, I think they liked the development curve he had a season ago, but ultimately I don't think he had a a a role with this NHL club at any point. And they, they had a surplus of fringe forwards prospects, and they traded it for something that was a position of need. Right shot defenseman, a little bit of size, six foot two, two hundred pounds, does have that pedigree of, of winning and being a solid, you know, prospect once upon a time. He was great for Team Canada at the World Juniors a few years ago. So like Craig said, he just needs to play some games and get some confidence back and start playing. I mean, just over 100 games in a four-year span, not a whole lot. So, you know, typical of the Maple Leafs, bringing in a guy taking a bet on an injury, you know, prone player who does happen to be from the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, was once upon a time a defensive partner of Rasmus Sandin in the OHL. Um, we'll see what he can do, though. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, excited to, to, to get some eyes on him. I don't think he's the answer. I think that's more of a fringe um, pick up. Uh, it's not certainly. I, I would expect them to make more moves. There's still more that needs to be done with this blue line, I believe, especially with the injuries uh, th- that are going on here. Uh, but we do actually have really quickly. Can we play the clip from Kyle Dubas on on what he expects? Do uh, it. We have to do it afterwards. Okay. So we'll play that clip uh, on the other side. We'll also play some good call, bad call. Uh, tomorrow's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $55 million plus four max millions. Text Max in your name to 105050 for your chance to win $100 in Lotto Max tickets with Encore. Standard message rates apply to all entries. Lotto Max, dream to the max. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano. You're listening to Toronto Today. Good call, bad call coming up next. Now, back to Toronto Today. You give me Welcome back into Toronto Today. I'm Mike DiStefano, and uh, if you missed it at the top of the show, some really somber news in Leafland as Boreas Salming, um, Maple Leafs legend, hockey you know, pioneer, um, unfortunately passed uh, earlier today. And, you know, as somebody who didn't get to grow up watching him, I really understood and appreciated him after... What I had learned just by speaking with people, by you know the celebration, the support that he received when he had come down to Toronto a couple of weeks ago uh, when they honored him against the, the Canucks during Hall of Fame weekend, and it really put into perspective just how special of a player and of a man he really was, and, and uh, it's, it's unfortunate that um, 
you know, he's gone. And uh, we just continue to see an outpour of support from Leaf fans and, and media and, uh, you know, family and friends who grew up with him. I'm sure, you know, we had Daryl Sittler on, on Leafs Lunch last week after the game. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking of guys like him today who I know are probably taking it, uh, you know, taking it pretty hard. So, um, you know, condolences to, to the friends and family of, of Boreas Salming. Uh, he was a, a tremendous, tremendous man. Um, why don't we get into some uh, some good call, bad call here, Chris? Oh, no, not going to get... Okay, that's fine. I think we might be having some technical difficulties on the thing there. Yeah, we got uh, burly issues again. All right, let's just get into it. Good call, bad call. We're gonna bring in. Uh, we're gonna bring in Chris here for some of these. So you're gonna give me a couple of options, and I'm gonna say whether if it's a good call or it's a bad call. Uh, give it to me. All righty, let's do it. Argos championship rally this morning. Good call, bad call. The Argos will win another championship before the Leafs, Raptors, and Jays. Ooh. Um, I mean, that's probably a good call. Like, the safe money would be on good call. They just won a championship, so clearly they have the DNA and the guys to do it. And the fact that there's only nine teams in the league. It's a lot easier to win a championship in the Canadian Football League, I guess, than all the other ones. I don't think the Raptors are there yet. They're building a decent squad, but they're not championship uh, caliber, I would say. The Leafs are an interesting one because I think that this is a championship caliber team. Um, but it's just the the road to get there, the path is so difficult with this Atlantic division having to go through Boston, Tampa, maybe Florida, and then you might even get a crossover team from the Metro who you know is going to be difficult to do as well. And then obviously the Blue Jays, I don't really know what we're going to see from the Blue Jays. If they, if they reach their potential that they're supposed to, then perhaps this is a championship-winning squad. But ultimately, I think it's probably a good call. The Argos have the best chance to win another championship before those teams. So, so I'll go with good call. And uh, all uh, everything I've seen, actually, they're having their parade uh, little rally right now. Seems to be pretty happening, I might add. I'm going to go with you there. I think it is a pretty good call. You just kind of look at the numbers of it as well. There's only nine CFL teams. Statistically, they do just have a better chance based on that alone, right? Right. All right, let's move on to the diamond. Uh, you would be satisfied if Cody Bellinger is the biggest off-season addition to the Blue Jays. That's a bad call. I, I wouldn't be satisfied if he is. I, I mean... Three years ago, yeah, I'd have been stoked, right? Cody Bellinger's a guy who was coming off of an MVP season in 2019, but since then, you look at his numbers, a 203 batting average, a 648 OPS. He struck out 286 times. Um, I just don't think that this would be the missing ingredient, the missing piece to put this team over the top. I still think they need probably an, a... a, a, a Front of the rotation pitcher, um, some bullpen help. Like if if this is the big piece that they went out and got that they moved out Teoscar Hernandez for, I think that would be a, a bad call. So yeah, I, I I would not be satisfied. It's a bad call. I'm with you there. I, I think Bellinger kind of demonstrates high risk reward better than any player maybe on the market right now. He had the lowest on base percentage of all qualified batters last year. Yeah. This is a guy who could be like a middle of the order thumper, but unfortunately, you know, he's had a lot of injuries, and I think the Blue Jays are probably looking for something a little more stable. Than well, I don't think the Jays need that though. They need guys to get on base. They got thumpers. In this lineup, they've got guys who can hit home runs. Vladdy, Matt Chapman. Like, they've got dudes who can put the ball in the seats. They need guys who can get on base. And and that's not at all what Cody Bellinger has done over the last three years. 
No, definitely not. So I'm with you there. Bad call. Uh, let's move on to the NHL. Good call, bad call. No more than three Canadian teams will make the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, no more than three teams. So the four teams who I think are probably Stanley Cup playoff uh, bound potentially could be Toronto. I'm looking at Calgary, Winnipeg, obviously, and then the Edmonton Oilers. So no more than three. So we're thinking one of those miss. Would that be that would be the premise of this one? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, that's tough. Like, I I want to say I want to say bad call because I, I I have faith that all these teams could get in there. I don't know if Edmonton's goaltending is going to hold up for them. Like they're they're getting scoring. Like you look at they've got Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl first and second in the league in points. You got. McDavid first in the NHL in goals, and they're still not winning enough games to have them in the playoff spot. They're on the outside looking in currently. It's because they can't get a save. And based on what we saw last year in Toronto, I don't know if, if Jack Campbell's a guy I necessarily believe is going to turn it around here for him through the regular season. He was an 8 6 8, what was it, 887 goalie um, from New Year's onward last year. He's been similar to that this season. I really. I, I, I don't know if that goaltender can get it done. So I'm actually going to say good call. Only three Canadian teams get in. I think it's Edmonton on the outside looking in. I'm right on the fence there with you, but for me, the team I'm on the fence with would be Winnipeg. I know that they've gotten off to a pretty deal. De- I know they've gotten off to a pretty decent start, but I kind of wonder if they're going to sustain that throughout the whole year. I think Winnipeg's built really well. They are. I, I do. And like a lot of things have gone wrong for this team. I mean, I think Calcaro's got like six goals on the year. This is a 45 goal score, yeah, yeah. 50 goal score potentially. Ehlers hasn't played at all. He'll return in six weeks or so. Hopefully. And Hellebuck has returned to form, to what we expect him to be. It's not that he's playing out of his mind. It's like, whoa, who's this guy? This is what we expect out of Connor Hellebuck as a top five goalie in the NHL. I I actually think that, uh, that, that this club, I think they're for real. I think they're legit. Kind of seems like they're playing above expectations, though, right? Like, were these your expectations for Winnipeg when the year started? Um, probably. I mean, did I expect for them to be at the top of this division? No. Did I expect for them to be in the playoff hunt? Absolutely. I mean, last year, and the the, the team isn't all too different than what it was a year ago. Right. I had them as the number one team just on paper based on how they were built, the number one team in Canada. I think that they're deep up front. They're deep on, on, on the back end. Well, not deep on the back end, but they've got some blue liners, um, and they've got a, a, an all-star top five goaltender. I think they have the ingredients to be a, a playoff team. Uh, so I, I I think that that's a team who I feel pretty comfortable with making the playoffs. Fair enough. I'm going to say bad call. I just kind of feel like one of those teams is not going to have enough time. Let's move on to the next one here. The Leafs should prioritize adding a scoring forward over a defenseman. Good call or bad call? That's not a. That's that's a, that's a a bad call. I, I know I've I've seen it out there. A lot of people saying, oh, the team they're they're. Defensive metrics are really well, but they're currently a bottom five team in terms of scoring. They're 27th in the league in scoring at five on five, but and compared to last year, they're the third best team. And, and I just see there is some growth from within at the forward position. There's guys who are just not scoring right now that you expect to. You've got a three percent, or I think you're shooting at five percent now, maybe somewhere in the three to five percent range for Austin Matthews at five on five. That's going to balloon closer to fifteen percent where he was a year ago. You don't have a goal at five on five from Alex Kerfoot. You're not getting a five on five scoring as much out of uh, a lot of your guys. They've been relying a lot on the power play, so I expect that scoring to come from within the blue line. I don't expect much from within there. So in order for them to win a championship, I think they're going to need to add 
on that blue line as opposed to getting forwards. Because I think guys will eventually start to score, and the puck will go in the net. They are 12th in expected goals, so the expectation is that they'll score, and they've just been a little bit snake-bitten. So I, I still think that defense uh, is, is a priority over offense. All right, we got to fly. Good stuff. Thanks for uh, chiming in there. Um, Share the love this holiday season with McDonald's. Here's your chance to win a $200 McDonald's gift card. Text the keyword today to 105050 for your chance to win a $200 McDonald's gift card. Feeling festive, enjoy peppermint mocha or hot chocolate paired with freshly baked festive ginger RMHC cookie or McCafe creme brulee little donut at select McDonald's locations. I'm Mike DiStefano, a.k.a. Al's brother. You're listening to Toronto Today on TSN 1050. Now, back to Toronto Today. Get out of your vehicle lease ASAP. Over 200,000 customers per month looking to take over your lease. What a relief. Go to leasebusters.com. We heard from John Herdman yesterday. We got to play this audio before we get out of here. This was him and what he had to say about the upcoming game against Croatia. I just showed them they belong here. Told them they belong here. And we're going to go and F Croatia. That's as, as simple as it gets. You know, that's that's our next mission now. Yes, John. Yes. Get out there and do it. I love the passion. That game will be Sunday at 10 a.m. Canada, Croatia. But up next, you got Brazil and Serbia. World Cup coverage continues uh, here on the TSN radio. You've been listening to Toronto Today, brought to you by Vanilla P- Visa prepaid cards available by Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. World Cup coverage continues here on TSN 1050.